The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, good morning. Welcome to TBC. Temple Bible Church is a community of believers who seek to be fully surrendered to Jesus, to walk in biblical community, and to live on mission for the glory of God. That's our vision. We feel like God has put that in front of us. We hope you're excited about that. If you'd like to learn more about how to be a part of that vision, we'd just ask you to talk to myself, one of the other pastors that are here at the church. But uh, with that said, let me just say uh, happy Mother's Day, right? Y'all like no applause, nothing? My name is Shannon Sword. I'm the college and young adults pastor here. It's really a privilege uh, to be here with you to share today. And, and I'm going to just take a moment real quick here right at the front. Is my wife here? Has she made it to, to this service? She was coming to the 11. I know she snuck in here. But I, I really, I want to say a, uh, a happy Mother's Day to my own wife. We'll be married 29 years uh, this July 1st. So... We've got uh, three great kids, and she serves our family and, uh, and prays for our kids daily and cares for us well, allowing me to, uh, to be a part of uh, the church in the capacity that I am. I think I just swallowed my mint. That was awkward. Nope, it's still there. Okay. <laughs> well, moms, there you go. It's gone now. Good, good. Blow by blow. I just want you moms to really feel moms right now, right? (laughs) I tell you, moms, I really believe, uh, have it a little bit rough um, at times. I, um, growing up watching my own family, I think that that definitely proved itself out. Uh, I think that moms, you long for the day when your, your grown kids come to you and they say, I love you, mother. And I just want to thank you for all the sacrifices that you made for me throughout my life. And by the way, mom, here are my memoirs of our family years. They're, they're, they're already talking about a, a book deal, talking about movie rights. And I just want you to know, mom, you're the hero of my story. So have you even thought about like who you'd want to play you in the, in the movie, mom? Maybe that's a little over the top, ladies, I realize. Maybe a little bit over the top, but come on, you've thought about it. You've thought about those moments. My mom had um, uh, four kids. My parents had four kids, four boys. I'm the oldest of of the boys, and so she was obviously uh, outnumbered, right? Five to one, and and she she, uh, figured out how to get through that, but the truth is we could have all benefited from a lot of sensitivity training, you know? Uh, we, we were not the best when it came to sensitivity with mom. I remember when I left for college, um, I had the, my pickup pa- packed up on the back driveway, and, uh, and I, my parents are out there, and I, I say, um, well, this is it. I'm leaving home for good. Last time I'm going to ever live under your roof. Well, goodbye. Give my mom and dad a hug, quick peck in the cheek, hop in my truck, and start driving down the alley. I look in the rearview mirror and I see my mom in the center of the alley with my dad. Her head's in his chest and her shoulders are heaving like this, just weeping. Mr. Sensitive, right? Thank you very much. Won the award that year, Mr. Sensitive. The irony, by the way, was that uh, a year later, um, I changed majors and I went back to live with my, 
with my parents for the next three years as I went to a Bible college. <laughs> so I definitely ate some crow for a while. But the truth is, moms, we often don't get it right. You know, we, we realize that. Oftentimes, we just don't get it right. So we're just saying here today, for all of us, we're sorry, right? But in Scripture, we read that, uh, that, that moms and children are a blessing from God, that they, are, that they are good. It says in Psalm 127, that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. In Proverbs 23, it says, may she who gave you birth be happy. And yet at the same time, I know that uh, for some who are here today, these sentiments may um, feel a little bit, a little bit hollow, maybe a tough day. That's, that's the crazy thing about a day like, like today, all these expectations riding on this day, um, because for some of you, I, I, I think a day like this tends to bring up feelings of pain and regret and disappointment and, and hurt. I can feel a bit of that today with you because uh, for me, this is my first Mother's Day <clears throat> since my mom died six months ago. And, uh, and I love my mom. She was a blessing in my life. So I, I, I get some of that. Um, perhaps you've lost uh, a mom as well. Uh, prematurely or, or maybe recently. Maybe you desired to, to bear a child and you've not been able to do so. Or maybe you've lost uh, a, a child prematurely or recently. Or maybe you just had a hard mama, you know, or a, a wayward child, moms. Or maybe you're just way too aware of the mistakes that you've made and you're just like, ah, I wish I had a redo button, you know. I just, I wish I could hit that button so I want to say this from the outset, that I believe, I really believe this, that most all moms are doing the very best that they know how to do. And I also know this, that, um, that you are shooting moms for a standard of a perfection <laughs> that you're never going to reach. You're, just, you're never going to reach it. And Jesus knows this. He understands and he has great compassion on us. See, the gospel contention is this, that, that on our worst days, we are never so bad that we are beyond the reach of God. And conversely, on our very best days, on our very best days, we are never so good to be beyond the need of God's grace. With that said, let me pray. Father, we do pray for grace. We pray for truth and insight I pray that, um, that this day would be a day of blessing in our lives. Father, you've given us moms. You, you conceived of, of all this. Uh, there's a sense where if, if all the moms went away, there'd be a piece of you that would cease to be understood and cease to exist as, as our ladies bear the image of, of God. And so, Father, we, we want to uh, love well and care well. We pray that you would... Uh, Give us grace and insight today in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, you guys can turn there, you can watch it on the screen here. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Now, most of us are familiar with that passage because, you know, it's the wedding passage, right? It's the love passage that, uh, that typically gets read at weddings as though Paul had written these words for husbands and wives to, to try to attain to, right? To try to love one another in, in that fashion. And I think as a result of that, being shared in that way so regularly, in that environment so regularly, in many ways, um, we have trivialized the truth that's found here. Because the fact is, Paul was, wrote these words to a very divisive family. A family that was uh, filled with everyone being so self-absorbed and looking out for themselves. This family was the church in Corinth. Everyone was filled with themselves there. And so he writes these words to, to tell them, this is what love looks like. What you're doing is, is, not a, is not a picture of God's love. This is what love actually looks like. And by the way, as we read those words, the notion that, that we can actually like muster up that kind of, of love and affection for one another is foolish. Like, like we can't do that. If you look at the virtues that are listed there as you read through that passage well, you realize that these are the very virtues of God himself. Like these are his virtues. These aren't our virtues. These are his virtues. So if, if families, be they biological, like the nuclear families that we, that we have, if our families, be they biological or ecclesiological, the body of Christ, this church, are going to be built up in love, we have to understand that it's a calling to suffer and to die and to ourselves, and to live in our Savior's love through the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do today is uh, look at three of these virtues. And as I do, I'm going to be directing most of my thoughts to moms and parents. But I believe that uh, this is, um, these are important uh, virtues for all of us to pay attention to because God calls each of us to embrace his love and to walk in these virtues, whether that is in our families or in this family of, uh, of God. We're going to talk about love bears, love rejoices, and love hopes. Love bears, it rejoices, and it hopes. To bear means to patiently endure one another's differences. Profound, right? So you thought it was, it was something really, really profound there. To patiently endure one another's differences, trusting that God is bringing us all on to maturity and to wholeness. Love calls us, in other words, to bear with those that um, we're not comfortable with at times, right? Those that are hard to love. And I think one of the, one of the reasons that um, even as we talk about our vision statement here as a church, biblical community, is that when I am in that place with a small group of people who know me and who love me, what I know is going to begin to happen is they're going to shape me. And I'm going to shape them. I'm going to be that shaping force in their life. And they are to me. But, but know this as well. There's another part of bearing. And that is bearing means not to allow our differences to impede my acceptance of you. Or my closeness with you. Or, or my, uh, my kindness towards you. All while I'm trying to be honest with you. All while I'm speaking truth and love if I'm bearing with somebody, I am not going to 
care for them and say a truth to them that, that, that I just, I, I want them to hear, they need to hear, and then create distance from them. Because to do so really is a form of punishment. I mean, it's like shaming someone. That's not what it looks like to bear with one another. And let's face it, you know, some of us are hard to, uh, hard to love. Some of us, um, I have to, we really have to work at bearing with one another. In, uh, back in the day, I remember when uh, somewhere in my teen years, um, I was surprised to find out that uh, when I asked a girl out, she said yes. I'm like, wow, you'll go out on a date with me? Really? Had no idea. My mom walked into the master, her master bedroom, my parents' master bedroom, one afternoon, Saturday afternoon. I had just hung up the phone, back when you would put a receiver back on and hang up a phone, right? Not in the call. And so I just hung up the phone. She says, who was that? And I tell her about this gal that I had met and, and, uh, and I'm just talking it up. And, and it wasn't long before my mom is, uh, really has this, this kind of this patient bearing look on her. Like she's putting up with something and I come to the end of whatever I was saying and I realize with my mom's words that I had communicated that I was all that to my mom, right? I had, I had thoroughly communicated that Shannon thinks he is all that. And my mom looks at me with a long stare and simply says, you know, Shannon, humility suits you much better than pride. Yep, stood up, walked out of the room, shots fired. My, my mom was not afraid to speak truth to me in love. My mom knew that I wasn't yet complete. She, she knew I wasn't all that, right? And yet in the process, she continued to love me and embrace me even in the midst of my immaturity. Mom's a measured response has tremendous power in your child's life. Tremendous power. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What an opportunity you have to shape the lives of your kids in truth and in life with words spoken in, in love. I think I learned more watching my mom bear with myself and my brothers and my dad and an alcoholic mom that was abusive that she had and some really tough friends. I, I learned more about this virtue and what it looked like, I think, from my mom than I did from anybody else in my life. And, and, and you know, the cool thing, too, moms, is that, like, we know that you have got an arsenal of mom-isms, you know? There's, there's a whole lot of just quick little staccato phrases that you can throw out there, and we, you know, it immobilizes us, like, oh, wow, I need to, need to think about that. Here's some things that you probably are never going to hear mom say. How on earth can you see the TV if you're sitting so far back from it? Probably not going to hear mom say that. Or yeah, I used to skip school too a lot. Probably not going to hear mom say that. Or let me smell that shirt. Yeah, that's good for another week. Or go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed him and to walk him every day. Just not going to happen. Don't bother wearing a jacket. The, The windshield, it's bound to improve. The curfew, our curfew that we have, oh God, that's just, yeah, that's just kind of a guideline, something to shoot for. I'm not running a prison around here. 
And I love this one. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Moms, seriously, we love you for the truth that you speak to us, for all those, those lines that are communicated in love. Thank you. Love bears and love rejoices. To rejoice means to be joying in truth. And joy is different than, uh, than happiness in that it doesn't depend on circumstances, right? Joy is, in other words, it's, it's unconditional. Our relationships should be characterized by a confidence that God is at work and God is good. God is at work in the midst of our relationships, in the midst of our family, and God is good through desirable and undesirable circumstances. Now, I'm going to say this. It means to be rejoicing in truth means that you are deepening your own walk with Jesus. Moms, dads, we have to be deepening our own walk uh, with Jesus to understand the truth of who he is and how he works and what a broken world this is and how you put all those things together because trials and hardships and disappointments and setbacks They're all going to come. They're all a part of the journey that we're on. And I don't know how you're going to have the courage to endure when the twists and turns begin to happen in your life, right? I don't know how you're going to hold tightly to Jesus when that happens, especially as parents. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think one of the hardest things for me to do as a a dad, as a parent, is to watch one of my kids go through something hard. Like I would far rather pick me, pick me, God, give me something tough, you know, but don't put my kids through this. I want to go and I want to rush in. I want to rescue them from the pain, from the confusion. Put me there, but don't put my kids through that. And yet I, I know that God is, is shaping my, my kids You know, he's shaping them, making them to be the people that he wants them to be. And so I've got to trust the Lord to this. And I I can tell you this, it's tough for us as dads. I think it is so much tougher for mamas to be able to do that. Motherhood is this strange tension, it seems to me, between holding tightly and caring for and protecting all at the same time letting go. Like, like how, how do you do that, moms? About a week ago, we were helping my youngest, Hannah, uh, move out of her dorm at UT Tyler. And uh, Susan and I were still at the hotel having breakfast. And uh, we were talking about the message today and, and uh, just the nature of motherhood and what makes motherhood so challenging. And she just said this. After she said it, I asked, can I quote you? And she said, yes. So I'm not, you know, violating confidence there. But she said, she says, as mothers, we want to grow our kids in the way that we want them to grow, the way we want them to go, and into the plans that we have for them. But our charge is to lead them to the Lord and to help them grow in the plans that he has for them. True? So parents, do you point your kids to Jesus' goodness in the good times and the bad? Do you point them to Jesus' goodness when things are good and when things are bad? Do you demonstrate your confidence in Jesus' goodness when things are good 
when things are bad, when things are favorable and unfavorable, when things are desirable and undesirable, do you trust in the goodness of Jesus? That's what our kids need to see. That's what they need to hear, not us rescuing them off those tough places, out of those tough places. You know, my mom seemed to understand that love rejoices, that God can be trusted to see you through the most unexpected and painful of circumstances. As I said, I have three younger brothers, two of those brothers, Aaron and Kevin, uh, were diagnosed uh, bipolar as they entered their young adult years. My brother Aaron was severely bipolar. They said it was one of the toughest they'd ever seen. They'd, they could not get the pharmaceutical cocktail, as they say, right, because his episodes were always changing. Remember one Thanksgiving, my mom says, you better go over and see Aaron. He's, he's not doing well. And I went and had a little suicide watch there, just sat with him and talked to him, shared the gospel with him. And I was so excited that in the months that followed that, he came to place his, his faith in Christ. And for the next couple of years, uh, my brother walked with Jesus quite clearly. It was so exciting. But the truth is that oftentimes bipolars self-medicate a lot, Right? And um, with both of my brothers, their, their bodies were declining, they were deteriorating, they were struggling. My parents invited my brother Aaron to come live with them uh, in the last uh, number of years. And, uh, and one day at age 33, uh, he didn't wake up again. His, his body was, was done. My brother Kevin <clears throat> then went in to get checked See how he was doing, discovered, yes, in fact, I, I struggled with the exact same thing he suspected. And he couldn't manage life well either. And he, they and my parents invited he and his wife to come and live with them, same bedroom, same bed. And when, it, when my brother Kevin was 44, his body gave out on him. There's a lot more to these stories, obviously. There's a lot more to these stories. But my mom and dad remained together through it all. You know, that... That by itself, losing one child and staying together, they tell you it's a, a statistical anomaly. Like it, it so rarely happens because you remind each other of, of so many hard things. And yet they did and they held on to their faith. And I remember at my brother's funerals, some of my mom's friends coming and asking her, how you do this? How, how are you doing this? Like how do you get through this? especially like the second time. And she said, there's no way I could not do this if it was not for the Lord. I could not do this if it was not for Jesus. Somehow my mom found grace and thankfulness, like really, <laughs> thankfulness in the midst of confusion and disappointment. And I'm gonna share this quote with you. I know it's almost odd to stick it right on the end of that story, but maybe you'll remember it. And I think it's so, so important Thomas Merton says this, that to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything that he has given us. And he has given us everything. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted. It's never unresponsive. It's constantly awakening to new wonder. Constantly awakening to new wonder. Love bears, love rejoices, and love hopes. To hope means to see the yet unseen future that God is unfolding, that God has promised to us. It believes, it believes that, that, that God is transforming us, he's transforming our world. 
for those that we, we parent, our confidence is that, that our kids are not yet fully realized. Like what they will be has not been made fully clear to us yet. I love Philippians 1.6 as I think about raising my own kids where it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See, hope is, is all about looking ahead to our completion, to our transformation. But when we take our eyes off of that destination, when we, when we quit looking at our destination, we begin to look horizontally instead of vertically. We quit caring about what God thinks of us, and I begin to look at those around me to see how am I doing relative to, to all these people that I see next to me. I begin to compare myself to others, right? How enslaved, how enslaved moms can be to comparison. Comparing yourselves to other moms, feeling like you don't measure up to the carefully curated images or the quippy thoughts that are put out there by other moms on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, or, or maybe it's just having a conversation with another mom that you care about and you love, you're deeply committed to, and yet there's something really amazing happening in their life, and it's so hard to not feel that envy and that jealousy rising up within you. Envy and jealousy can be so destructive in our families. Tim Keller says the following about the relationship between hope and envy. He says that envy stems from two preoccupations. First, we're obsessed with what we deserve. You know, this is what I deserve. Our hearts refuse to remember grace and instead think only of what I have earned. Second, we are preoccupied with the present. The solution is to look up to the Lord and look ahead in hope. That is, we should realize that our true reward is based upon God's grace, that in the end, believers will be given every good thing. And then he takes this whole idea and he plants it right in the middle of the gospel as he says this. He goes on to say that Jesus did not complain about experiencing death when he deserved life. All so that we could have life when we deserved death. And so when you realize what Jesus did for you, when you really stop and consider what Jesus has done for you, when you meditate on that letter, roll over your mind, it will begin to erode your envy. If Jesus didn't complain when he experienced a life infinitely worse than the one he deserved, why should we complain when all of us get a life infinitely better? than the one that we deserve. Real love bears. Real love rejoices and real love, it, it hopes. And you can't just like will yourself to produce it. These aren't lofty virtues, lofty ideas that you can reach for and somehow work out in your life. You come to the place where you realize that your every attempt to love others, be they those at work, coworkers, Friends in a small group, neighbors, those in your family, even your own kids, you realize they don't measure up. They don't measure up. So perhaps parenting is one of those paths that really should be leading people to see their shortcomings, their immaturity, to see our sin. 
Perhaps it should show parents, moms and dads alike, that we need Jesus just like our kids need Jesus. And I hope it compels us towards humility and forgiveness and reconciliation in our families, be they biological or ecclesiological. I came across some poetic thoughts in one of Gary's files that he had pulled off the internet years ago, and I thought I would end sharing these thoughts. It's called For All the Moms. For all the moms. This is for all the mothers who didn't win Mother of the Year in 2018. For all the runners-up and all the wannabes, the mothers too tired to enter or too busy to care. This is for all the mothers who froze their buns off on bleachers, metal bleachers at football games on Friday night uh, football instead of watching from the warmth of their cars so that when their kids asked, did you see my tackle? Did you see my jump split? They could say, yes, of course, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Wouldn't have missed it for the world and mean it. This is for all the mothers who have sat up all night with sick toddlers in their arms, wiping up barf laced with Oscar Mayer wieners and cherry Kool-Aid, saying, it's okay, it's okay, mom's here. This is for all the mothers of victims of the latest school shooting and the mother of the shooter. For the mothers of the survivors and the mothers who sat in front of their TVs in horror, hugging their child who just came home from school safely, and you ran and you squeezed them like there was no tomorrow. For all the mothers who run carpools and make cookies and sew Halloween costumes, and for all the mothers who don't. I mean, what makes a good mother anyway? Is it patience? Is it compassion? The ability to nurse a baby and cook dinner and sew a button on a shirt all at the same time? Or is it heart? Is it the ache that you feel when you watch your son or daughter disappear through the front doors of that school, of that school for the very first time? Or the jolt that takes you from sleep to dread, from bed to crib at 2 a.m. at the morning, in the morning just so you can lay your hand on the back of that sleeping baby and be reassured or the need to flee from wherever you are to hug your child when you hear news of another school lockdown, another fire, another car accident, another baby dying. I think so. I think so. This is for reading Goodnight Moon twice a night, every single night of the year, and then just one more time and doing it. This is for all the mothers who mess up, who yell at their kids at the grocery store and swat them in despair. This is for all the mothers who taught their daughters to tie their shoelaces before they started school and all the mothers who opted for Velcro instead. For all the mothers who bite their lips sometimes till they bleed when their 14-year-olds dye their hair green and who lock themselves in the bathroom because they can't get their baby to stop crying. This is for all the mothers who show up at work with spit up on their, in their hair and milk stains on their blouses and diapers in their purse. This is for all the mothers who teach their sons to cook and their daughters to sink the jump shots. This is for all mothers whose heads turn automatically when they hear that little voice cry, Mom, in a crowd, then to realize, oh yeah, 
My kids are safe at home. This is for the mothers who put pinwheels and teddy bears on their children's graves. This is for the mothers whose children have gone astray, who can't find the words to reach them. This is for all the mothers stumbling through late night feedings and diaper changes and sleep deprivation. And mature mothers learning to let go for working mothers and stay-home mothers, for single mothers and married mothers, for mothers who foster and mothers who have adopted, mothers with money and mothers without. This is for all of you. Moms, happy Mother's Day. I pray that you walk in the grace of Jesus, hold tightly to him, And model that for your kids. Let me pray. Father, what a blessing it is to have the mothers uh, that love and care for. And Father, we at the same moment acknowledge none of us get it perfect. Father, I pray that uh, as we seek to love and care, Father, it would direct us more and more to recognize our own need Uh, for humility and repentance and embracing the, the gospel that is ours and we would model that well for our kids. Father, thank you for this day. Name your son, Jesus. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. You're dismissed.